Uh, this is Pastor Josh from First Baptist to Queen. Thank you for joining us today as we, we continue and actually finish up our look at the book of Ephesians as we've been journeying through it for these past several uh, uh, sessions, past several weeks. Uh, this is our Wednesday night study, and right now we have been going through the book of Ephesians. Going to finish it up on this one. Uh, but I hope you'll continue not only to listen through this, but in the ensuing weeks, next week as we take a look at the uh, um, uh, Easter week and the day-by-day timeline of what Jesus did during that week uh, leading up to his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And then the plan following that is to begin a study of the book of Philippians. But for right now, let's go ahead and finish Ephesians chapter 6. Let's take a look back and just get some context for where we are in the book of Ephesians, what's been going on. You see, Paul uh, wrote Ephesians, and he, he speaks to what each of these Holy Spirit-filled believers will experience in their day-to-day lives and how they stand strong for the Lord by putting on the whole armor of God. He mentions six pieces of armor. He starts with the belt of truth, meaning the truth of the gospel. It's supposed to secure and hold us together while we're in the throes of battle. Then Paul speaks of the breastplate of righteousness, meaning that salvation and how saved people are supposed to act that will protect our vital organs. Next, the followers of Jesus will put their feet, uh, put on their feet the gospel, which will give peace to their minds and their hearts throughout whatever battle tends to rage around them, thus allowing them to stand firm. The gospel makes ready and prepares the individual for the chaos, confusion, anxiety, and fear of battle. The believer is also to take up the shield of faith, extinguishing all the flaming darts of the evil one. Faith guards, faith protects, faith prevents strategic and unexpected attacks from undermining God's purpose in placing you where you are. The helmet of salvation is always with us, so we must wear it, utilizing its powerful ultimate protection. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is the only offensive weapon. Similarly, the Word of God, Scripture, as even Jesus used it, is the only offensive weapon that we can wield ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. We are meant to train with the word so that when the enemy attacks, we will be more than adequately equipped for the battle. On the tail end of his discussion about the armor of God, Paul then gives a final challenge and encouragement to his friends in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says this, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Warren Wiersbe writes that Ephesians 6 describes the enemy that we face, the equipment that we wear, and here speaks to the energy that we use to fight the enemy with our equipment, prayer. He classifies prayer as the energy necessary to be able to have any hope in fighting against a skilled and battle-hardened enemy. Paul actually wrote of this idea, uh, uh, this very idea earlier in Ephesians, praying for supernatural strength. Back in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, Paul wrote, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with the fullness, all the, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So that famous verse there, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, Paul was talking about prayer, praying for strength. And this right here is a great prayer for strength. I would encourage each one of you to mark that passage. And whenever you find yourself feeling weak or beaten down, to pray through that particular passage over and over and over again and watch the, the, the Lord work mightily within you. But now let's get back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. See, the word praying there, he starts that passage off with. In the Greek, it's actually a participle seeming to modify the things that came before it, implying that that word praying applies to each element of the armor of God. So each piece of the armor of God is to be taken up, put on, and applied through much prayer. Prayer should not be confined to only a specific time of the week or even a specific time of the day. Prayer should be used at any time and all the time, and it should always be done in the Spirit, as in properly focused and purely motivated. In addition to instructing us to pray at all times, Paul tells us in what manner those prayers are to be offered. We are to pray with all prayer. And supplication. Supplication meaning a request or, or a plea. The idea is that as we pray, we are to use every kind of prayer available to us in order to fight through every battle the enemy brings against us. As we pray, Paul wants to make sure that we keep alert or keep watch, as he says there, with, with all the perseverance that the Spirit enables within us. He's meaning that we need to always be watchful for attacks and opportunities for prayer, persevering in prayer through whatever attack we are facing, no matter how severe. Our prayers are also not supposed to be completely self-focused in their requests. In, that last, in the last phrase of this verse, Paul reminds us that we should never fail to pray for any and every other believer because the enemy comes after all of us. And none of us truly know the depth and extent of the battle that someone else is fighting. We may feel like we understand their struggle. We may even, at least in our minds, think that their struggle is not really that bad. But that kind of thinking is from the enemy. It's selfish and prideful and will prevent us from fulfilling Paul's final instruction in that verse. Make supplication for all the saints. This verse basically means always pray each other. Through the battle. Look at the next two verses, 19 and 20. So speaking of prayer, he says, And also for me, that words may be given to me, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, this is fascinating to me. Here Paul moves from reminding us to pray for every believer to specifically asking for prayer for himself. It is as though he were saying, make sure that you pray for all Christians. And while you're at it, please pray for me too. And it may seem a little odd for us to think that Paul might need help to be bold and courageous, but here he is asking for that very help. He asks for prayers for supernatural help because he knows that he needs it. He wants to make sure 
that he can clearly make the gospel known to everyone he can. In writing this letter, Paul in prison in Rome, awaiting trial before Caesar, knowing full well that God wants him to bring the gospel to Caesar, he asks for prayer to speak the gospel. But you see, Paul also doesn't know what will happen after he tells Caesar the truth of the gospel. It could very well be the last thing he says on this earth. So he wants to make sure that he is clear and effective. So Paul, on the greatest and most, one of the greatest and most influential communicators of the gospel, asks for prayer for boldness. If anything, we should be encouraged today to know that even Paul needed supernatural help to share the gospel. And he was even in prison for sharing the gospel. Maybe being in prison was part of the reason for his request for help with boldness. We don't really know. We just know that Paul wants those believers in Ephesus to come alongside him and join in the spiritual work, to join uh, spiritually with him through prayer. Then he says that the boldness for which he is asking is how he ought to speak. That phrase in the Greek literally means uh, to be necessary. It is necessary. So Paul is expressing his own personal conviction as well as communicating how we are to understand that same conviction for ourselves. Bold communication of the gospel is an absolutely necessary part of the life of the believer. So we should undertake this same practice for which he's asking for himself. We should both ask for prayer for each other now, we should both ask for prayer for ourselves and pray for each other for this same boldness to make the gospel known to everyone. Look at Ephesians uh, 6, starting in verse 21. Now, these next couple verses. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, it would seem that Tychicus, uh, he may very well have been the one to carry this letter, Ephesians, from Paul to the Christians in Ephesus. He's mentioned by Paul again in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, implying that he may have brought both the letter to the Ephesian Christians and the letter to the Colossian Christians in the same trip. He's again mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, as having been sent to Ephesus, and Paul tells Titus in Titus chapter 3, verse 12, that he will send Tychicus to see Titus very soon. It would seem that this guy, Tychicus, is a faithful friend, a dedicated follower of Christ, and a partner in ministry. So much so that Paul relied on him to carry these letters and to speak on behalf of Paul. Some scholars think that Tychicus may have been from Ephesus and that he traveled to Rome on his own dime to check on and be a help to Paul while he was in prison. And he was sent then with this letter to relay to the Ephesians Paul's personal condition and the extent of his work while he was under lock and key in Rome. That information was not merely to satisfy some itch of gossipy knowledge, but rather it communicated a special relationship that Paul had with the people of Ephesus. We see an indication of that special relationship in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38, through the prayers and weeping for knowledge of the suffering that Paul would face through his arrest and trip to Rome. The information 
of how he was doing and what he was doing would also help the Ephesians better be able to pray specifically just as he has just requested in the previous few verses. Tychicus's information, presence, and words were also meant to be a gift of encouragement from Paul to the Ephesian Christians. Tychicus was to bring them great comfort through not only this letter that he was delivering to them, but also through what he would say to them. Now look at these final two verses, how Paul closes out this letter. He writes, Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul extends a, a prayerful blessing of peace, love with faith, and grace to his readers. First off, peace be to the brothers, is such a unique phrase that is, it is only used here in all of Scripture. Peace uh, literally means peace as a state of health and freedom from worry. Peace is a lifestyle completely dependent upon faith in and trust of the Lord. For if we trust Him with every part of our lives, peace effectively fills our minds and our hearts. Paul also prays for love with faith. The true love that comes from a faith in the Lord and the faithfulness that comes from a love of the Father. Love and faith are so intertwined here that they go hand in hand and cannot be separated. The idea is that you cannot have true love without faith and you cannot have true faith without love. Then in the last verse of the letter, Paul prays for God's grace to be extended to everyone who loves Jesus with love incorruptible. Receiving grace means receiving something that we do not in any way deserve. It's very interesting. Paul opened the letter to Ephesians in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, right after he identified himself in verse 1. Uh, in, in, so chapter 1, verse 1, he identifies himself. Chapter 1, verse 2, uh, he, what he does there is he makes a statement, a prayer, extended, a prayer of extended grace to his readers. And now here he's closing the letter with the same prayer for grace. That they would have grace with love incorruptible, he says. That incorruptible love, that's eternal, undying, unceasing love, continual, not even interrupted by death. We as modern readers should really be encouraged both by Paul, by his prayer, uh, and challenged to similarly pray these things for each other. As we pray for the bold gospel communication for each other, just as he did previously, we should also pray for peace, love with faith, and grace to be poured out on each other consistently and constantly. And we should never allow the designs and strategies of the enemy to distract us from communication with God. We should always be in prayer. Now again, I want to thank you for joining us as we have walked verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, uh, it, it has been incredibly eye-opening and encouraging, at least for me, uh, to, to, to see Paul's transparency uh, and his relationship with the Lord demonstrated uh, through the words on the page. And again, next week, we are going to take a look uh, at a timeline for Easter week and what happened every single day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to walk through that 
what the Gospels, how they explain each and every day of the week. Uh, and in the week after that, we will hopefully begin a new study uh, in the book of Ephesians. So again, thank you for joining us today, and I will catch you in the next one.